I V M. Markets evolve and get disrupted by changes and change drivers in consumer behavior. One massive shift in recent times, and especially in 2020, has been the growth of hyperlocal solution drivers. They've helped locals and local businesses build a pipeline connecting each other, and in doing so, help drive an alternative to the larger e-commerce industry. One of the platforms at the forefront of this has been Dunzo, not just by enabling hyperlocal delivery, but also giving us a verb. that truly defines its very essence and today i have dunzo's co-founder and ceo kabir biswas on the show to discuss its origins its methodology the focus on saving time or rather consumers time and his perspective on generalists plus a whole lot more we had a few audio niggles at the start of the show so you know you might have to bear around some of those but the content is amazing so i'm varun dugrala and come right back to listen to this episode of advertising is dead welcome back to advertising is dead with kabir hey kabir i'm happy you're doing this finally i know it's been a while to set this up yeah we've been we've been trying to coordinate this for a while but i'm happy we we've been able to find this time to do this zoom call <laughs> Hence, podcast <laughs> isn't it the story of our lives? And someone said this the other day, so that we we are going from one screen. We live one screen lives in many ways, but different different windows. How many calls do you do in a day? Video so calls. Some point during Zoom uh, peak, it had gotten to like fourteen, fifteen hour uh, of calls every day. Uh-huh. um right and uh, then in october i finally decided to actively drop it because uh-huh. it just was getting a little meaningless and so now i'm actually down to like about 3 and a half hours every day oh that's not bad which is that's very very great very yeah, do this is amazing yeah because you know there used to be this thing which said this meeting could have been an email now i say this video call could have been an email is is my new thing to kind of get back to because <laughs> it, it, the fact that you can now access people at all times on a video call uh, doesn't necessarily mean you really have to yeah is just i think uh, i think the de facto has become do i think it's it had its peak going from uh, april towards june july yeah. and then i think once the fatigue set i think then it started mm. dropping off and uh, it yeah. became a lot more logical when i think people realize ke this is what it is it's going to be like this there is yeah. the like the going back part <laughs> of it the novelty drops off and all of that yeah and so when that happened i think people like okay now we need to start getting back to what you call work life balance um yeah. i also think the the crisis moment ended around june july yeah where uh, where we were all okay, like this is like a crisis and i think mm-hmm. that feeling of that crisis was like okay now this is what it is and you got to live with this and make do with this um yeah. at business at work at home you know i'd want to take a couple of steps back to Did you ever think that you would be an entrepreneur when you were growing up? Was that something which you thought would be a thing you would do? Was that, or was there ever a, a point of focus? Um, no. Like this whole idea of, I still like don't like the word as much. Thank you, uh, thank you so much. Finally, means- one person I found. I found one person who has said this. No, go on. I'm not going to cut you off. I'm going to let you finish this one. Yeah, the word doesn't mean much, right? And especially if you want to build some. you're the first person who showed up because after that it is about everybody else who shows up and does immensely brilliant and proud things that uh, that they can say you know it was their own um, so like yeah it's just 
I think the idea is to say how do you build an organization that allows for that, rather mm-hmm. than saying that no, I mean, you know, this person started it and stuff like that. I know yeah. orgs having stuff like founder days and all, or foundation days and all, and I'm <laughs> like, how, why, <laughs> why would you anybody do that? <laughs> But you know, founders day makes it seem like you are really old. Okay, I have a bigger problem with the word founder. It makes me seem like this ancient person who's on a statue. Exactly, somewhere. correct, right? Like I'm. Like and Chandrika hates this about me, right? But my uh, LinkedIn just for context for people listening to this, Chandrika is also listening in on this one right now. She's making sure that we say the right things, and we've gone totally rogue on her. So I'm just putting this out there, so everybody knows that there is another person on this yeah. recording who is not to be heard. Yeah. So and so my LinkedIn profile says works at Danzo, and she's like, I need to be able to what you call handle this public persona externally, and it can't say this. And I'm like, no, but the reality is that it works at Danzo. right like what you do is just a function of like what is the challenge that you need to solve at that point of time so no uh, never like a thought of saying can i matlab we'll start something or anything it's not really no that was of a plan in life so what did you want to do i do know at some point i wanted to know more about computers that's the only thing mm. that i remember when i was we all uh, did yeah yeah at the age of 12 13 when you got your first computer and a dial up connection in a oh my god small in a small little uh, town called silvasa in dadra nagar haveli that mm. that sound used to happen that sound is like you know I, i hear that sound now also it is one of my like so i i, I i'm going to take a slight segue uh, there was <laughs> a podcast i i i started and did briefly during the early days of lockdown called useless information i okay. actually added that tone in in the intro music because i was like there is nothing more like for people who get it they know what that sound means because that sound meant so much it means and still recognize it and if it sometimes plays somewhere on some online video you can tell it's got that uh, distinct uh, recall right um, and you just wanted to know more about computers that was it and so that moved into a protocol um, computer engineering uh, saying you need to become a computer engineer to learn all of this and then you realize that computer engineering courses it's not necessarily being computers are not necessarily being taught 8085 is being taught uh, that i remember <laughs> microprocessors uh, <Yeah>. right <laughs> and a lot of it comes down to your own, your own initiative and um, then you suddenly realize that oh like the world actually respects the fact that and at that point you still want to be able to you know make sure that you able to make two ends meet and stuff like that and so you end up going to an mba college because how else otherwise that is an engineer you actually make nothing in this uh, yeah. in your country um yeah. and so that happened uh, and then then i went to etel where i did sales and did uh, did product and it was a phenomenal company to offer then quit on a whim on saying okay i don't want to spend 15 years becoming like ceo type ceo uh, mm-hmm. and then started my first business that was largely around location booking that got bought out uh, then took another year year and a half off and danzo happened not because of an idea or my need to act a business or this it was just that i thought something like this would exist and i told like three friends on whatsapp saying i will do what you need me to do mm-hmm. um, and let's just call it danzo and uh, i think four years later it just like is like a big deal apparently in the few cities that it works in what i find interesting about danzo as a product is that um and and and, it, and i go back to this right i think companies are built around trying to solve a problem and you were innately started trying to solve i think a problem we all have faced in in which which is generally like i need to get this right now um 
if I'm articulating it right, yeah. then I'm sure you'll have a better way to articulate than what I just said. But what was that first problem which you no, thought that's that the it. That was it. <laughs> no, I ah. think uh, the starting point was just that saying that, uh, and um, it was like I like my things in a structured fashion, and I used to spend Saturday Sundays doing it. Um, and basically I was like, imagine somebody else would do this. And if I could outsource it to somebody else, mm-hmm. um, and that was it. It wasn't like a singular use case or anything. It was just about saying that I'm sure there are other consumers who want to go ahead and pay some money. Let's see whether that actually does exist as a business. Uh, mm-hmm. it sounded like a very first world problem, uh, at first yeah. I remember. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it just turned out that there is a large uh, set of people who want it and it's not necessarily just first world. And and what I also find interesting is, unlike a lot of people who start products or companies, which you start from, okay, I come from this form of experience, which is why I'm building this product. You came to think, okay, this is a problem I face. Let me figure a way to solve it. Uh, is the way I've always seen how done. Okay, whenever, whatever I've read about how you started it off, you didn't come from, okay, I, I know how to build logistically, like, you know, that, that entire, I mean, was logistics something you had ever done, mm-hmm. ever? No, <laughs> I I just intuitively think if you if you enjoy the problem, most of us are smart enough to figure out the point A to point B of being able to solve a problem. Yeah. But you need to innately care about it and say, you know, I will do anything to learn about. It. Um, and uh, and so I think the first thing that uh, that uh, that at least I ended up doing to be able to learn about this was to just run down people's orders. So I went around the city in Bangalore and must have run close to like seven eight thousand orders for people. Um, just to learn what this would mean or this looks like or what do people want and all of those yeah. things. Yeah. But uh, but that seemed like the most logical thing to do. And then I'm like, if if your consumers care about it, then, um, then I'm sure the best people in the world will go ahead and what you call come together to be able to build, uh, build what's right for them. Uh, yeah. Right. So uh, the domain expertise bit of it is something that I've uh, not actually really understood as much. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is also interesting, right? Because I always thought the problem should come first, but it's always, bec- it's, I've always heard, okay, this person has done this in the past, which is that they build this. What you're saying makes absolute sense. But what I also feel ends up happening is, okay, if I don't have the background, I feel a lot of people start looking ahead to saying, okay, will I get funded? Will I be able to attract the right kind of talent? There's a lot of overthinking of all of those. Whereas you said, and, and was it just you running those first set of orders? Or did you have, collect a, a set of people by then? Me and uh, so I wrote out to NGOs and college students to be able to make this like a part-time internship for them. Uh, and so a lot of college kids uh, who used to who used to run this along with me. And then along the way, of course, first set of people joined, uh, the founding team joined. Uh, and so all of that happened. Uh, but the first set of people were just college students. I was like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm running. I used to, at some point, I'd work like 16, 17 hours on the road trying to get stuff done for people. I remember one starting a day at three in the morning and ending it at one thirty in the night. And I remember that day saying, no, I just need to get other people to do this. I can't do this alone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, initially it was that. I don't think overthinking helps with your rate of success and failure. Like, I don't understand, like, uh, so when you first actually think up of an idea or a business, and if you were to really extrapolate the line out 10 years out on saying, you know, if this business survives 10 years, most likely everything that you said on day zero is going to get challenged and you're going to build something completely different. Yeah. If that's true, then the value of overthinking or knowing an exact plan is so little. 
Yeah. Uh, right. And uh, so actually that shows up in the way we get uh, get team members on board also. Uh, when we are getting team members on board, we are significantly what you call higher ratio of people who are generalists rather than uh, rather than people who have like what you call some kind of subject matter expertise. So uh, is this something that we have not baked into the way we actually even get people on board? Because for what they come on board in two years time, that problem is going to look so different. Right. So uh, yeah. it's interesting you mentioned generalists, right? Because I've always had this thought that we look at it as saying, okay, I need, I, I'm either pro generalist or I'm pro specialist. But I feel in most cases, you need enough generalists around to be able to do too many things. Um, and you sprinkle around a few specialists just for very specific tasks. And many times it becomes yes. the other way around is that you have two less generalists and too many specialists. Uh, so the generalist actually feels, for lack of a term, many times inadequate. Or, or, or feeling lost, yes. about what am I really focusing on? Whereas what you should have the yeah. other way around, I think a generalist is a lot more welcoming of specialists than I would say all specialists are not the other way down. Yeah. Possibly. But I think like most uh, good things, you need a healthy mix. It's yeah. not an absolute on any one side of it. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I think one of the specific things that, uh, that I think we index on is as to what this will look like in two years time and whether people can adapt because hmm. I think adaptability is the biggest skill that, uh, that one could have uh, in businesses like this. If you look at that early period, right, when, uh, of, uh, let's say the first year, so what did you learn about a consumer, which you were surprised by? Like what, what was, what was different from what you thought people actually, like there's a problem you saw, but what did you kind of learn from them? I think the biggest thing that I've learned is as to how much users are willing to trust if you can give them convenience. That's what so it's crazy. It is crazy as to how much they are willing to trust. And if you're just willing to be honest with them, uh, just be upfront, right? And just bake that in into every conversation that you want to. So convenience plus honesty gets you so much trust. It's not funny. And I've been surprised. I've been surprised by the word of mouth. I've been surprised by the brand value. I've been surprised by... Uh, I've been surprised by people going ahead and asking somebody to say, hey, here are my house keys. Can you pick something up from my house and get it back? Mm. Can you imagine? And they don't know this person. This is them yeah. trusting the brand. Like, I wouldn't do it. I'm from Bombay. Yeah. Like, we don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> we don't know to do this. And just that level of trust has been amazing to see. You know, that also brings to an interesting point, right? It's about... I feel many times we don't give the consumer enough credit for how they've evolved and they've kind of using products. Like I remember the first time someone spoke about using, let's say digital payments or someone spoke about using uh, logistics a certain way, everything else. There's always this like broader perception that, and and this, I, I come from television, which is where I started off my career. And, and I know that that constant conversation about the, to dump it down and lowest common denominator. I feel that is something which every, uh, I would say every single market has looked at consumers like, but they're much smarter and, and they're a lot more open to ideas than we give them credit for. Absolutely. In fact, uh, though, I think we are at that point of scale where we are having to dabble with both now. Hmm. Uh, right. Uh, but I think, uh, and I don't know if you have read this theory regarding that, uh, what do you call thousand true fans? And then a 16 that wrote something about no. uh, hundred true fans and it's worthwhile reading. It's uh, it's uh, it's a very interesting one. Where the internet allows you to be able to find a small set of people that can really be wowed by what your what you call uh, mm. proposition is, who will really really care about it, and it's because the internet brings a nature of distribution that has never existed before this. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, and um, 
and initially you want to be able to build for them so that you are able to at least find a set of people who are going to uh, are going to love what has been created and then of course then you come to scale challenges you build other things all of those things but uh, but without finding the first thousand you can't find the first million yeah um so it's just that and they almost in also a lot of ways and and going back to the earlier part as well is, is they help you perfect your product a lot more because there's so many products i remember like trying out initially and i was like maybe they could do this maybe we could do that and 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 that's when you really scale up right we always can be in beta mode and yeah. pronounce it clearly but anyway that's the way to build a modern product out absolutely um, in fact uh, even today i don't think we can deliver on everything that our users want they will write out a product roadmap for us which is beyond what we can build right now right and so it comes down to prioritization and all of those and business priorities but um, but i think there is just really no way to build products anymore um you just want to be anchored into your consumers and make sure that we listen into them and i think on b2c consumers uh, and products especially you need to see what they are doing beyond what they are just saying mm. because uh, because i think they do a lot more on the product uh, right and um, and just the amount of data that exists around this the amount of information that you can and insights that you can create i find it surprising as to what people used to do building uh, building old what you call more like cpg brands and products yeah. 20 years back like i i find it unfathomable because of the amount of data we have yeah i know it's uh, it's amazing to be building products in this day and age how has the journey of kind of developing this as a product going ahead right? because obviously you started off with, with 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 a set of things that you would do and then you kept adding on more things how how does that work for you guys i mean how how do you kind of look at what you need to bring in obviously there's the data but just in terms of the process and how you look at it so we actually use the initial what you call really open ended funnel to learn which were the most important things for our consumers and so we actually are the uh, a little bit of a reverse of that theory of saying ki you know you did this and went like this or you did very little and then went ahead and did more we actually went a lot more and then started chiseling it down to saying ki these are the things that we do really really well um and That's perfected right. it right and um, what that did was it got us a lot of user word of mouth what it does today bring as a challenge is because every time we are chiseling we are going ahead and what you call adding more either automated ways to do something or yeah. going ahead and changing user behavior for a little bit more instead of what you call them being able to go ahead and decide entirely to being able to slightly more programmatic mm-hmm. in both of those i think you have to just go with the fact that this is going to be better for consumers yeah uh, right um, and um, and just do that test and be able to run with it because you'll need to have conviction of your product one way or the other and so i'll give you a small example on that yeah. we used to be extremely chat heavy which meant that a user when they wanted something they could chat with a human being and actually get it done yeah right um, and uh, over the last two years time we have completely removed that and people need to go out and what you call deal with an interface to be able to get it done when it initially started of course users were like oh, what changed um, yeah and but i think when we actually did uh, what you call some kind of work at the user end we figured out very early and this is at the point of two years itself that um, as much as consumers would want to go ahead and chat with somebody the faster way to get something done was to actually deal with an interface yeah. uh right and uh, and so i've had a so we have had a view on chat based commerce since a really long time because our avatar used to be that and it's just a slower way to do something i agree 100% and people are always going to pick a faster way than a slower way to do something right and you just have to give them the power to do it um and um, i don't think users tell you that 
but i think those are some of the things that i think tenet said you have to just build out saying i will always index on a faster way to do something than a slower one and mm-hmm. hopefully those should then then help and so that's i think what we have done it's it's interesting you mentioned chiseling things off right um have you had an instance where you've taken something off and then realize okay i need to bring it back in as well has that kind of happened so far yeah once in a while it does happen uh yeah. but uh let me remember what's the last thing that happened um because that's also hmm. in in my head that's more than what it was it's what's also interesting is it's the mindset right many times as as organizations you you say okay i've taken this off so i've committed that this is no longer a part of what i'm going to do but to admit that once again we actually needed that let's bring it back requires both on a product side but also more on a human side and understanding that once again it's fine we do it off we'll just bring it back in uh, and not worry about it so how does that work uh, obviously i'd love to know what the example was but also like how does that work with the team and how do they react to stuff like that are they um, how do you kind of build that kind of a mindset in i think just generally being welcoming of what you call uh, mistakes is uh, i think what you should be able to do i think uh, one of the most important things is i think everybody accepting mistakes and i start usually all of my monthly what you call um internal notes or what you call our h1 and h2 planning documents with the number of mistakes that i have made forget about <laughs> the org right like i have only made these mistakes and so i think just being able to start making uh, mistakes acceptable and i have this line which i actually tell a lot of my investors wherever they are asking about some specific part of it i'm like and these are usually new incoming ones i know because the existing <laughs> ones know me existing ones know me really well i'm like if it was perfect i would have ipo because yeah. it isn't right and uh, and the whole thing is to be able to go ahead and uh, go ahead and say that mistakes are bound to happen we might overcorrect in multiple directions um but uh, but we'll go ahead and find a path to being able to sail this and find a path with the new business realities that we end up learning so nothing set in stone was it uh, tough to ra- to raise money primarily because you didn't come from the, i go back to my background question my background connection was question was also connected to that because um that's a, something i also heard a lot of vcs say like okay this person have a background in this space and um and and was that ever a, was that a, a problem raising your initial set of money and and then kind of because that's obviously needed so the initial set of money was the easiest to raise because our users <laughs> were just our user nps was nuts right and the word of mouth on the product was uh, was unbelievable i'll tell you right we went from three friends on whatsapp to 10000 people registering on whatsapp in four months it was just that and uh, and with that i think and so i remember our first set of investors and this is bloom and aspada lgt they actually like were users and they were like are you raising that and there wasn't really a plan at which point then the plan had to be made uh mm. to say ke ha i think it's become too much hard work we should raise some money uh <laughs> to be able to build some product like how do you build product without it uh yeah. right like computer engineering degree doesn't give you that much remember so oh my god wait i'm getting i'm going to get to engineering after this that that's going to be a long part so so that wasn't uh, the first set of capital was was simpler it was uh, it's the fact that building a b2c what you call uh business in india does require a lot more capital than that you basically need to be able to get to at least monthly 5 6 million transacting users to make it work in india given the aovs right 5 6 million transacting users in this country require at any retention rates for you to acquire at least 10 15 million customers under 12 to 15 million customers hard to make it work uh, retention rates right every customer is n- like net net even if it was at 5 dollars like you're still raising 75 million dollars just for marketing right so i actually 
honestly think that no fundraisers are easy. Mm-hmm. I think we are, I think everybody just reads about uh, the last day when the fundraise actually happened. It's tough. And I can imagine it being tough at every level, even if people are what you call worth uh, multiple billions of dollars, uh, right? Um, and uh, it's just not easy. And um, and I just like, I think we should just credit the fact that capital is getting raised by all of these people. And it's fantastic uh, that they're able to do that. So I don't think any fund is easy. Yeah, because I feel that it, it also deters people. Right? It deters a lot of people. And one of the things I also heard about a lot of young people who want to start something saying, oh, I don't have enough experience or I haven't done anything before. Uh, should I work somewhere? Or should I work in this space before I do it? And, and my response has always been the fact that if you really believe something you can do, and you can figure it out as you go along. At some point, you'll meet someone who believes in that. Right? It's that belief that yeah. most times gets funded rather than the than the other stuff. No, absolutely. I think uh, I think what people can bring to it is um, is crazy amounts of passion and wanting to learn. And then you gotta get lucky, man. There's a little bit of luck that plays out in all yeah. of this, right? Of and nobody wants to like talk about it or accept it and stuff. But there is just so much luck in building some of these businesses, uh, right? Um, like that capital has to come in at that point. Like imagine like just like the timing of it sometimes is three to six months. Three to six months in the yeah. context of a business or your lifetime is nothing. Yeah. Right. But you just need it then. And if you don't get it then, then, then it might go over. Right. And yeah. I think we have been, we have been close at least two or three times. And uh, just, I think... People need to just accept the amount of luck there is in terms of being able to build businesses. It's such an opportunity, right? Like you put together some idea on saying, you know, let's try this out. And then people give you lots of money to be able to say, okay, hey, you know, like once you prove off the fact, they give you little money. Yeah. <laughs> then they give you more money because, okay, it's doing well. And they give you more money to people to do because it's doing so much better. But I think in all of that, I think there is an inherent part of saying that there is going to be luck involved and it's important yeah. to accept it. It's also been able um, to hold it through that in between period, right? And I find I find that period so interesting uh, for anybody who's through. And I know we do both don't enjoy the term entrepreneur, but for that journey is because that's when stuff like payroll or like investment at the right time to be able to scale, all those things kind of come in. But you also have to focus on bringing that 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 capital in because and that's I'm guessing the, the I mean that struggle really helps. I think it makes you a lot more solid, and I'm and I'm, I'm sure that something you agreed with as well. I uh, I just hope, I just think of this as uh, saying, yeah, like, where else can one get such an opportunity? Um, yeah. And um, and you just be thankful about it. And um, and it's my job to go ahead and make sure that uh, that I show up for the incredible team that is there every day at Danzo, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because they have gone ahead and trusted the fact that we can build something like this. If you're not doing more um, than what is expected, then I think you're not being fair to them. And so that's the, that's the number one thing. What are the areas you guys are seeing as, as, as areas of growth, right? These are, these are things which we are focusing on kind of build into the product because that's really where we see the future kind of happening. But I think we're getting, and I was talking about the scale challenge, right? Yeah. We're now starting to get to that challenge where we need to start acquiring our second set of million transacting user, mm-hmm. right? Like after the first millions come through the second and the third uh, millions transacting user, this is where the dichotomy of India, I think, becomes very real to you. Like the users that you and me spoke about at the top, right? Mm-hmm. Um, saying that uh, like there are these people who are willing to go ahead and, you know, completely take all the effort, all of those things, right? For, for this, yeah. they're going to be what you call, be your brand loyalists and stuff like that. That base actually in India is not very big. Mm. It's not like a crazy quantum of like 40, 50 million people. 
you're most likely looking at much smaller you're looking at maybe 3 4 million people right and that also spread across the country and if you were to put a density cut for a business like ours mm. right where um, where we can only function in really dense neighborhoods so if yeah. you don't have density there's no way to actually make this work it becomes even smaller and so at that segment they look very different uh, right mm. now that we're getting into the the what you call the middle part of the belly right mm. beyond the early adopters and the innovators here people actually are a lot more direct and value conscious in their mm. uh, in their mm. understanding mm. of products um, yeah. and wanting to actually go ahead and transact with them and they're very clear about the job to be done for them and i think increasingly for us what's becoming is we need to go ahead and take this product that um, that used to what you call do a lot of things got mm. chiseled into doing a few things from yeah. a comprehension perspective for these new sets of users needs to become significantly sharper it needs to become mm. to a point where they can associate maybe just one singular thing with it mm. and get to it directly yeah. because they are not willing to take any effort to try and understand what exactly is it that you want to go ahead and communicate and they yeah. often go ahead and transact based upon a value prop that is really simplistic for them uh right so uh, and it shows up in in a lot of our what you call communication marketing all of those things uh yeah. right um, where till date we have been a brand that um, that has been about saying that hey you know it's about getting it done quickly it is about what you call uh, this really quirky brand that has a persona has a personality but what tends to happen with these set of consumers is and so i'll give you an example right so we have been doing a lot of consumer studies and um, mm. and we are known to be a slightly what you call cheeky brand by going ahead and being very and i and sai who leads uh, what you call uh, yeah. brand and marketing with us i don't think he likes to call the word punny but uh, but it definitely <laughs> is uh, is playing on playing on being uh, being extremely cheeky online right we have been told by enough consumers in consumer studies that the what you call notifications that we send actually have typos mm. when they are actually puns ah uh. right and this is not the this is not the segment that it started off from this is the middle of the belly that we are now started mm. talking to and mm. so now these are challenges that we are really having to face on both of them and so a lot of the next year is just those two things one figuring out how the product can become simpler for our next set of millions users that are coming in mm. and how can our brand and communication become a lot more inclusive through different channels right and different channels can communicate to different sets of consumers but uh, but those are the two big ones that we need to be able to solve for has the whole lockdown and the covid piece kind of changed some of the things that you guys are doing and and give and, and also have you seen consumers evolve during this period i will not use those two words which start with n and and start with n um because i've heard too much of that i'm just going to say that during this period of the last 10 months because that is the most overused term of this year so i'll stay away from it okay so uh, i think on the consumer side of it we have um, actually covid said incredible tailwinds on the business because people mm. have to stay home uh, they want to stop get, uh, get stuff delivered we have grown quarter on quarter 20 25% organically without spending a dollar on growth since we have gone ahead and had covid it has though a very real world impact that we are learning about not in the q2 uh, right because at that point of time it was still crisis management and we were still figuring out what needs to be done to be able to support the communities that we play in like our yeah. delivery partners and our merchants as q3 came about and rain started happening during july august september um and now that we are into the festivities period etc i think they are increasingly understanding that um, that covid from a user perspective might be what you call uh, great but from a what you call merchant and a merchant and a what you call uh, delivery partner perspective 
very very different mm-hmm. on the delivery partner side um, i think we are definitely seeing signs of uh, there are large pockets of unemployment that do exist right and um, and i think uh, what that is doing is it's uh, i think we are able to go out and attract a lot more new what you call pools of people to walk into the gig economy the second one is on the merchant side of it i think what this has presented has been a once in a lifetime opportunity of being able to transform the retail landscape in this country for the first time every merchant in the country wants to be able to recognize the fact that online is going to be the way forward and they mm. need to learn how to manage these orders mm. before this what used to happen was all of these merchants uh, and this is local as well as big brands right we used to all think of the fact that offline footfalls are so large mm. that uh, that you can go ahead and not have to care so much about what's happening online uh, mm. but now that the offline footfalls have reduced everybody needs to learn this graduation very very quickly and so what you would have expected to have happened in a 3 or a 4 year period has actually gotten accelerated within a 6 or a 9 month period mm. and literally every local merchant that we work every big brand that we work with uh, every uh, d2c or cpg brand that we work with i think what's happened is they are understanding their inclination they are want to change their core operations to be able to solve for online um mm-hmm. has become become really different um and so i think that's the positive side of it that we will now see play out over the next two years time yeah. there is also yeah. one negative side of the the merchant uh, part of it really small merchants uh, varun who got impacted because of working capital and um, yeah. and yeah. them not having other sources of revenue i do think there will be there'll be enough of them that don't come back uh, yeah. right they will have yeah, to shut shop uh, right yeah. i don't think uh, the numbers are uh, out and we also couldn't hunch one but mm. there are a fair few that uh, that we do believe i don't think we'll be able to go ahead and uh, go ahead and what you call come back up whenever like cities open up properly also yeah yeah that's also how consumers have changed like there was, i was reading this thing and and it it made me think about how we as human beings now do all, all the stuff that we do so that the pandemic has kind of made all of us sit in our own silos in 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 like at a mass scale so it's separated us from each other but it's also pushed us ahead in how we would have behaved as consumers let's say 5 7 years ahead um like this is how we've like when we look at sci-fi we always think about this how we would transact and we would you know we would, i haven't heard people use the word automation as much as i've i've heard this year right especially as three four uh, months um or talking about every, the word digital even though it is always there it was be the catchphrase people would use now it's inherently a part of how they function in that sense do you also then have moments in your mind say it's a great time to add in more things and while your your process has always been to chisel have there been things where you say okay let's add a bunch of these things in because it, it it makes it's it's a good opportunity but have had to hold back from doing that yes always uh, i think uh, a large part of being able to build some of these businesses is to actually just prioritize ruthlessly uh we have had pockets when we haven't done it really well uh mm. but i think over the last 18 months time that's been the number one thing that we have been trying to make sure we do yeah. because honestly what is the business that we are in right we are in the business of going ahead and uh, enabling local merchants to be able to sell to consumers and we are in the business of going ahead and moving stuff around from point a to point b those are the two core businesses that we are a part of those are the two capabilities that we bring on the platform technically once we go ahead and have a really large surface um of users transacting with us for a, about two or three very primary use cases the goal really varun is to be able to bring percentages of the local economy online mm. which means at some point of time when you actually start looking for a particular product i promise you today when you go look for that product and search on say an amazon right mm. um and amazon says they will deliver it in two days time 
there yeah. is absolutely no need for that to happen because you can actually search it on dumps you will most likely get it in 45 minutes at the same price point yeah right because that product actually does exist in your city and most likely what's happening is getting picked up from your city going to a fulfillment center and then getting delivered back that's not what 2020 and a mobile ecosystem should enable 2020 and a mobile ecosystem should enable the fact that that product can get searched in real time within the what you call 50,000 relevant stores in your city. They yeah. will go ahead and say that I have this product. They can go ahead and say that I can ship it in 15 minutes time. The price is this. And in 15 minutes time, once it starts shipping, it will get delivered to you in the 30 minutes time. Mm. We should live in a world where two-day delivery is not acceptable. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, and so that's the world that we want to be able to build. But what it does require us to do is us to be able to get really good at two or three use cases, two use cases first, mm-hmm. before we can go ahead and start getting massive selection online. Those things are happening. Um, so during COVID, I think we have seen selection of various categories show up. Right. So we have seen electronics show up. We have seen books show up. We have seen uh, Health and wellness show up quite a bit. And so those are now starting to show up in our top 500 SKUs. And so recently one of uh, one of our users, and I think um, somebody in their family wasn't keeping well and they were at a hospital, uh, right? And uh, and they wanted to get them some books to read. And they just ordered on Dunzo, uh, I think 1984 for some reason. I don't know why dystopian, but yeah, sure, that was the one. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but, uh, but they ordered that and it boom, shows up in 35 minutes. Right. And so literally by the time you start having a cup of tea and you discuss a book, by the time you have finished it, the books there to read. Um, and there is just that what you call part about being able to take a physical book in your hand and read if you're in the hospital. Right. And there's just that there are so many other things that could go ahead and get powered. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's what you want to be able to build. But I think it requires us to really double down for another couple of years time, build like a really large surface of transacting users. And then start doing more things on top of that. So if I was a young person today wanting to, and I'm saying young as in someone who's finishing college, who's wanting to start off their career and saying, okay, what are the spaces where of growth where I can actually build my career based on all the stuff that's changing? What would you say would be areas that someone should focus on? So I don't necessarily look at spaces as much. Um, I'm mm. obsessed by what we do. Um, <laughs> and uh, just like uh, from our perspective, it's... Uh, we want to do drones next and uh, and those are the kind of things that we want to be able to build out. Yeah. Because it's the two it use sense. cases, right? Uh, of saying, you know, people want to be able to buy stuff and people want to be able to get stuff, most stuff uh, from point A to point B. It's a, it's a business that's been going on for 500 years. It's not anything new. 2000 years, if in fact, it's the business of commerce. Uh, yeah. Technology just allows it for it to be what you call a lot more convenient and a lot faster yeah. now. Yeah. Um, if that's, uh, uh, so we just double down and focus on it. I'll give you like a small example, right? Last year, our average delivery time was about 38 minutes. Mm. This year, our average delivery time is coming in at about 26 minutes, I think. Oh, wow. Right. Um, and, uh, and so this is eight cities averages. Of course, our averages 90th percentile is still slightly further out, uh, which we need to reduce. Uh, but, uh, but we focus on this fact and say, okay, how many can we go ahead and get done as fast as possible? I think we live in a world where stuff shows up in five minutes. Mm. It will look like something. It will look like with drones and it will look like most likely your building having a tubing, uh, some kind of tubing tech, which means that a package gets delivered at your, what you call uh, gate. And there is some version of tubing that gets the item to your, what you call house within 30 seconds. Because why not? Why are people going up and down and doing this, right? It can be baked into what you call uh, into the, into the real estate itself. So we obsess about that. Um, in that, I think the two skills that we think about are really being inquisitive and uh, being adaptive. Yeah. 
like uh, it's something so that go back to the being for. a journalist part it's just something that we are looking for from people that we are what you call really young people who are coming and joining also uh, right so some of our city heads are in their mid 20s and stuff and um, the number one thing is a lot of them actually don't come from similar industries mm. uh, and the reason for that was specifically because you're looking for people who are just really inquisitive um, mm. and are willing to adapt because those are the two things that uh, we 100% promise you you will get at Tanzo <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe i haven't asked this question till now why dunzo why why the name dunzo uh i think four big reasons i remember first one was um, it was something that could be used as a verb so irrespective of what the product would be the idea was to always uh, have something that was going to be frequent for consumers mm. so could you dunzo something can i dunzo it right um, so mm. you and i realized uh, words can be made to be something if you can actually go ahead and just yeah. think about it at the top so that was it saying you know can you be something the first version of the name was to do done or done it or get mm. it done then figured out that done dot it is like a what you call uh, italian domain name and was really expensive so i was like okay <laughs> can't can't do that um uh, right uh, um, how many times so, have domain names directed the names of companies i just think about because we for the longest time we started glitch our website used to be uh, what is the glitch.com because you couldn't afford to get the glitch.com uh, so we were for many years called what is the glitch as a company even though it was not our company's name because people thought that's what we were because our email addresses were that but um, the website part is interesting that you say that's how the name kind of got finalized ha huh, bad then the second one was like domain names were available so i was like wow dunzo.in is available for like 5000 rupees i remember mm. that was how cheap it was um and uh, the last reference like the two other reference points was actually if you go online uh, dunzo is used very negatively so mm. my phone's dunzo or my relationship is dunzo um so if you go to reddit that's where it gets used quite a bit and then on twitter also and aziz ansari in parks and recreation uses it like dunzo the same way <laughs> sheldon uses bazinga ah so, perfect lots of uh, reference points when i look at the marketing that you guys do and how you position yourself as well what i found interesting is you always had this it kind of feeds in with the name and what you and how you speak as well it's it's got this very differentiated visual appeal to it and i think about how you market yourself as well is that deliberate and i know that uh, that's something which which sai and i have pinged each other about very recently but i'd love to understand the thought process behind that i mean was there, was there a conscious choice to say we'll put ourselves in a certain way i mean obviously the use of animation etc as one way but i think in general just the 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 way you put yourself out what is any what is the basic thought behind that so i think we went through a rebrand about two years back before that we actually didn't have a brand it was just like helvetica new uh, in black mm-hmm. written on yellow that's it and there was no real assets nothing right it wasn't even a personality other than the fact that we'll always be very honest and so you can trust us to be able to do stuff well and i think one of the one of the starting points on the brief really was that um, we wanted to be able to make a statement so that mm-hmm. people could recognize it and that i think was uh, was something that i think um, went into us being able to pick our colors being able to pick our what you call brand assets being able to pick a persona once what you call that got picked i think then uh, the way we try and do this is um, if there are great teams going at problems just leave them alone they are smart enough to figure it out and uh, and so science team is just that right um, i think um, what they have figured out is an um, extremely and this is the word that i will use is extremely innovative and cost effective way of being uh, being top of mind with our consumers 
being constantly in conversations and uh, and having a voice because we do believe that brands have a voice in fact they have a responsibility to have a voice and for a brand like ours where uh, where it's so visual and it's so physical in nature and um, and there are so many things that you can see around you we realized that that was that was important to actually go ahead and uh, go ahead and take it in right at the top which is what i think then leads into what is the pieces of communication that ends up happening um how do we think about that and so yeah but i think uh, this what's in, uh, interesting I, i should i should tell you this is that my post my, my uh, one of my studio heads has actually turned to me and said you know uh, what he finds most inspiring about it is the fact that you have an internal animation team and for him that is like see that is like letting someone do what they have to do and getting giving them that kind of push so um i had to say it because when you have someone who works in that space on a day to day basis turn around and say this is what companies need to do i mean there, there is something right to that setup i think um, if you believe that something is important i think it's very hard to go out and have people externally be committed to it as much as you will be and um, it's not like a comment on external this i'm just saying if there are parts of the uh, what do you call thing that can be worked with externally yeah. and then there are parts yeah. that you want to go ahead and say okay this is something that we will do ourselves um, yeah. and there's no way to outsource that job and uh, and so i think you need to pick which are the ones that are most important um, yeah. and just let those teams go ahead and build out everything that's required to make it happen towards the end of every episode uh, i do this segment called um, it was called humans of advertising now it's just generally humans of everything i ask very random questions this is supposed to be frivolous as or, or, and in a weird way also helpful so um, what is the one thing that you consume a lot of that people would be surprised that you spend so much time it, it, spending time consuming obsessing doing uh, uh, cyrus's ibm podcast really yeah It's we got to get uh, we, we got to get you on Cyrus this show that will be entertaining It's my it's my jogging podcast because I think so I can't focus on anything when I listen uh, uh, right so when I had to listen to Bjorn and Tanmay's what you call um, mm. interaction um, and I think Tanmay's one of the smartest marketers that I've seen right yeah. uh, just yeah. like corner case like understands uh, what consumers are looking for and so I had to settle down and I was like I'm not going to do anything else because I need to listen it's like reading a book Um, so i can't multitask in that fashion i can multitask with other things other than an audio medium on the cyrus one because it is just every topic out there in the yeah. world so i can yeah. go ahead and use it as a companion for jogging uh, <laughs> so yeah it's incredible you should listen to my episode with cyrus which was very recent it is i just noticed on your site so i'm gonna it's tomorrow morning so basically my first ever recording when my show was announced was on cyrus's show uh because okay. i it was a pre promotion for me to kicking off my thing and i and i'd worked with him when i was in mtv back as an intern in early days so okay. i had a few tricks from my old days back uh, to make sure that i could kind of compete this time however we almost it, it, i i if you listen to that one and this one there's a transition of me going from okay i need to like push cyrus to get some words in to now actually being able to have like a free for all so there cyrus is amazing he's <laughs> I, I've seen sides of him which most people would not have unless you worked at MTV. But uh, it's 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 very entertaining to have him around. And incredible for some for a personality like that to what you call like, and I'm no, it's the age thing that he done like. But like it's twenty years since yeah. he's been there in public persona. That's a huge amount of time. Yeah, and and he owns it in the way that only he can own it. Like you know, he did it's my incredible. episode. He recorded my episode topless. He refused to wear a shirt. I, this Zoom call is happening. Cyrus is topless because he's like, my AC is not working. It's too hot, and I have to look at Cyrus. Thankfully, no, nothing below like a certain shoulder level. But I could see those <laughs> bare naked shoulders throughout that recording. Is what happened. Um, 
What can you put oh together in an instant? A one pager on most things. You mentioned you listen to podcasts. Uh, anything you consumed in recent, I've watched, listened to, read in recent times that you'd recommend? Um, I'm reading uh, No Rules Rules, uh, the Netflix book. Uh, oh. Very nice. Very interesting uh, take yeah. on terms of how to go about yeah. building orgs. But yeah, very interesting. I like how I like how it was structured. I like the fact it was structured in a way to not just seem like his perspective. I like the second person's perspective. Correct. I keep forgetting her name. Um, and Aaron. I'm about yeah, I'm about eighty percent into the book. So uh, there's also another book you should read if if, if you haven't read it. It's called Post Corona. It's uh, Scott Galloway's new book. It's it's actually quite, quite yeah? nice. Oh yeah, correct. I saw it. In fact, I think I might have ordered it also. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's quite nice. I bought 50% in that. It's become my new thing. 2020 has made me a reader again. I used to be a terrible, like, okay, maybe I'll finish a book in, in every three, four months. Now I'm like going through them. I've just reduced binging video now. No, so I'm still there. I'm still trying to get over the habit. Um, hmm. So I have a new way to do it. Um, so I got like a desk lock uh, and I ah. put like a 30 minute timer on it saying okay, for 30 minutes I will read. Right. Oh. Like, because distractions are far too many. Yeah. Uh, like just like 30 minute timer to be able to read because beyond that, just type. So There's a really phenomenal different. hack I have re- I have found out, which I just started using recently. And, and Rohit, who's my co-founder and also best friend, okay. he suggested it. He does that. He buys the audiobook and gets the book, plays the audiobook while reading the book. And it makes you go through it a lot deeper and you have focus on it. Uh, although he does three. He does 3x speed and that I'm not going to do 3x speed. I do yeah, 1.2. I do 1.2 sometimes. Yeah. Um, especially the Obama book, which I don't, I don't know why I bought the audiobook. The audiobook is 29 hours. It's a 29 hour audiobook. I'm like, I don't think I'll ever going to finish that audiobook. Is, he is spoke Obama like, telling it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which is why I bought the audiobook and I saw the duration and I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to there's finish no this way audiobook. This is happening. 29 hours. The <laughs> there's no way in hell Obama's finishing this. <laughs> <laughs> and this is only part one. He's going to write part two now. Next, It's like, I don't do like... Wow. Yeah. I The only reason I need to want to read the book is I want to know the reason for the name. Because I heard the podcast, I wasn't able to necessarily understand it. It seemed yeah. a little convoluted. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just started it. But I then moved on to other things in that sense. Um... What do you take back from your, and I, this is, I, I'm plugging in the, my engineering question at the end of everything else is saying, what have you taken from what you learned during what was formal education through the rest of what you've done post that, uh, which you kind of has stuck with you and, and what's kind of helped? I think uh, what you call, um, and especially engineering, right? I think, uh, mm. and then actually MBA also a little bit is about mm. learning life skills. It's being able to go ahead and interact with people so that uh, so that you are able to go ahead and just in life when you start managing and dealing people, uh, yeah. you have some skills. Because yeah. before that, uh, I think you're largely in some, and this is for me because I come from a really small town, right? Uh, I'm guessing people who, what you call, grow up in bigger cities and have a lot more exposure uh, might have a different version of it. But in school, it was like a little bit of a cocoon. Uh, yeah. If anything, right? Yeah. And um, and so the first time when you did get out in college, it just taught you life skills. And just that's it. Uh, to be able to go ahead and manage when you didn't have all the resources. Because you didn't. And uh, yeah, just that. I think uh, those life skills have been very useful. Uh, I remember um, uh, engineering definitely taught me how to convince people a little bit. Because <laughs> you, you, you never had your, what you call, uh, shit in order. And so yeah. your jaws 
begging people to help <laughs> always always i don't even know i i get shy. i get like nightmares if i think about having to do those exams mechanical engineering oh my god yeah, yeah um, like i have been at that point where it's like due for closure in like 2 hours time and i have gone down on my knees begging somebody saying that you got to give this to me otherwise how will this happen <laughs> I've had uh, you know we used to have those uh, work in the carpentry shop and in the foundry so that guy was and I'm Gulti yeah, of course so so luckily I had a Gulti guy who was who used to be the guy technician there I used to get sweets from back home so nice. I could entice him with traditional Andhra sweets <laughs> he said let me do this don't like I, I, some stuff from the side will happen which I will I, I will I, never claim that I cheated I, but I will just say I just, got it done like I'll never forget the lathe machine oh my god. <laughs> Did you go through a matrix moment ever with the lathe machine? I actually I had that. To do it I actually had that. Me- actually had that metal thing fly next to my head like this because I didn't put it in tight enough. And for anybody who doesn't know what lathe machine is, it's this metal. And you should not give students this. You put a metal metal rod inside something that rotates so fast and have to build grooves into it. If that's not tight enough, like it was because I was terrible at it, it flies by. your face yeah. like you know the slow mo shots and thankfully didn't go straight into my face but <laughs> yes very dangerous uh, to have a engineering degree yeah my, my general last question which has now evolved uh, post my sabbatical coming back it was always why will advertising not die but what i'm going to ask you is why will why will generalists not die i think we all live in a world of absolutes which i don't think is true like i don't know why there is this persona and this uh, need for what you call opinions to be in absolutes at all it's something that i have not understood it's something that uh, i've been trying to get my head around for a for a really long time because the world is not really as much in absolutes i don't think users think like that i don't think people talk like that uh, no. or at least think like that and just this nature of polarizing with opinions is something that i don't know has maybe happened a lot more because of the kind of communication tech that we have Uh, in the yeah. last uh, last ten years, and so what that has done is uh, people want to be able to go ahead and polarize so that uh, they stand out, maybe. But I don't think the world behaves like that at all. Nothing is an absolute. Um, mm-hmm. It uh, like time and your adaptability for things. Uh, things make sure that uh, that absolute doesn't work out at all. Like for example, like I'm at the other end of this question very often on saying, "What if that company does this?" and yeah. i'm like they must why aren't they is my question <laughs> so true yeah right <laughs> and you have to believe that you are what you call talking about a business that can go ahead and support more than multiple companies otherwise yeah. you you're chasing like a market that is so tiny that it like it doesn't makes sense to even justify one business yeah right yeah. and if that's true then the world doesn't have to live in absolutes right uh, everything that we have gone ahead and said as one line statements that have been absolute over the last 10 years i don't know what percentage of them are actually true so uh, i so like just i don't get it at all and so i don't even live in that world or believe in it uh, nothing is always right and nothing is always wrong uh, the reality is that is exactly the right way to look at it i i i wish actually more people said that more often than <laughs> or they do <laughs> it's also it's too polarized nowadays and i think we could yeah. we could uh, we could do less with that yeah thank you so much for doing this this has been this has been awesome i could like go on doing this for a longer <laughs> chat but i'm no, it's uh, been but, a lot of fun yeah i think we've covered so many areas in this but there's so much to learn and unpack and i'm going to like sit and kind of put some points down to kind of when i when i'm sharing this out and thanks much for being on advertising is dead and uh, 
thanks for for building out a product which i know that we've all used a lot especially during the last 10 months if not before thank you so much and keep using it and please <laughs> uh, like uh, yes i the idea was to be able to go ahead and build something that consumers care about and we can solve for yeah. them and if there's anything that we can build or anything that we can go ahead and do better just write it somebody will actually pick it up that's it uh, we just really genuinely care about everything that our users want thanks kobe thank you so much 